This is New Classical Tracks from listener-supported American Public Media. I'm Julia Macher. If you're enjoying this podcast, the best thing you can do for this show is to tell somebody else about it, help spread the word, and take a moment to rate and review us on your podcasting app. The last time I talked with harpist Ashley Jackson, she was just finishing up her dissertation on Margaret Bonds. She was so inspired by Margaret Bonds, a fellow black artist, that she decided to make a conscious decision that in whatever she does, she wants to be able to uplift the people who look like her using her gifts that she has as a musician. And that's exactly what she's done on her debut solo recording. It's called Ananga. And that's what we hear about this week on New Classical Tracks from American Public Media. Well, Ashley Jackson, thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to catch up with you. And just before we started this recording, you said a lot has changed. So why don't you just dive right in and tell me what's happened since we talked in, I think, 2019. Oh, my goodness. Yes, Julian, thanks again for having me. Um, I guess the biggest change uh, is when we last spoke, we had a, she was six months old, and now our daughter is four. She's in preschool and has friends. So that's pretty significant. Um, and the other major change, Julie, is that we've moved. Uh, so while I'm still working uh, at Hunter, I'm still teaching and performing primarily in New York City, we moved to Baton Rouge, Louisiana about two years ago. Oh, I was wondering because I saw that you had a new position at Hunter College. And so that's in Baton Rouge then? Uh, no. Uh, I, Hunter College is is one of the CUNY schools in New York City, so I commute uh, about once a week. But my commute now is flying uh, as opposed to taking the subway. So it's a bit further, but uh, it's really worth it, especially when we come back home and I can just relax and enjoy the quiet. My husband's family has uh, a property in Mississippi. And so in November 2020, uh, we decided that we wanted to be closer to his parents and his sister and and help, you know, sort of take care of them during a really sort of challenging period. Um, and so we we thought we would stay down here for six months, uh, but we fell in love with with the city and and the proximity to um, his family. And so we decided to to put our roots down for a bit. Well, Ashley, can you tell me a little bit about you, where you grew up, and how your path to becoming a harpist happened? Sure, Julie. I, I grew up in New Jersey, a very sort of supportive community. Uh, my, my family uh, encouraged us to try different things. And so me and my sisters, we all took piano lessons. And uh, so that for me started at age five. And I think immediately my teacher recognized that I had a a pretty strong curiosity for music. And one way to explore that when you're that young is to try different instruments. And so she had a niece who was a harpist who was looking to build her own private studio. And she recommended to my parents that maybe that's something I might be interested in trying. Uh, so my parents said yes. Uh, and that's how my journey as a harpist really began with that piano teacher recognizing um, that I think I needed a little bit more in music. 
So what is it about the harp that makes you love it so much? Mm. The harp has a sound like nothing else. And even more to that, it's it's that it, for me, it, it makes music after you've plucked the strings. It's the resonance of the instrument um, that continues to draw me to it and and leave me in awe. Ashley, you're currently an assistant professor of music at Hunter College. You earned a doctorate of musical arts degree from the Juilliard School, and I think that's the last time we talked is maybe you were just finishing that up. You attended Yale before that, and then in your academic and professional career, you've really been committed to diversity and inclusion. And I wonder, how have you been able to make a difference in this area? Uh, thank you, Julie, for that question. And um, I, I hope that I'm continuing to to make, even if it's just a small dent uh, with my work. But for me growing up in, in music, music was about bringing people together. Uh, my earliest experiences with music have been in church. And so church is where music really draws people into the message. It allows everyone to participate. And I think that my I've carried that with me in my work. And so I'm always kind of seeking to write stories about musicians that that others can relate to. And so my, for example, my doctoral dissertation was about Margaret Bonds. And for me, that was also a pivotal point in deciding how I was going to focus my path on these issues. Because in Margaret Bonds, I saw an example of, of a Black woman who was committed to uplifting the voices of her fellow Black artists, Langston Hughes, W.B. Du Bois. Um, and that was really inspiring to me. And so I, I think I made a conscious decision then to whatever I do in whatever way I can is to uplift the people who look like me using the gifts that I have as a musician. So this leads us to your first, your debut recording. How does that fit into this, this mission of yours? Yeah, so this debut recording is, is really personal for me. And uh, it began with thinking about Again, how can I use my voice as a harpist to bring sort of healing and uplift? And I started thinking about this album in the summer of 2020. We were still living in Harlem, and the protests were happening just outside of our street. And I really remember sitting and practicing and thinking, what can I put on my music stand that's going to be able to speak to what's happening right now? And so with that, I started with African-American spirituals. For me, they're the first uh, America's performing art form. From them, we have so many different genres of music that came out of that. And so I started with two spiritual arrangements by Samuel Coleridge Taylor. Uh, and they are I'm Troubled in Mind and The Angels Changed My Name. And then I wanted to sort of start there and then branch out to other genres. And so that's why I have a mixture. Uh, I have a piece by Alice Coltrane called Prima. Of course, William Grant still Ananga, as well as a contemporary tune by harpist Brandy Younger. The title of the recording comes from that William Grant still piece. Why was that the right title for this recording? Yeah, An Ananga as a piece takes us on a journey through different American musical styles. So, and that's really what I was trying to go for in this debut album, Julie. 
The first movement, um, we have lots of polyrhythms and moments that sound like improvisation. And those traits we find in many different African musical styles. Ananga itself is a type of Ugandan harp. Um, and so I really wanted to focus or have listeners and think about not only the African-American roots of American music, but the West African roots of American music. And so that's what we have in the first movement. Lots of polyrhythms and, um, uh, like I said, moments of improvisation. In the second movement, we go into this spiritual realm. It's slower, it's got this melody that sounds familiar, but it's not. And it's almost reminiscent of the spiritual, sometimes I feel like a motherless child. So that's what we have in the second movement. And then the third movement, it's upbeat. It sounds like 1920s, 1930s Harlem. And so for me, that the piece as a whole takes us on this journey through the, sort of a musical journey through the Black diaspora. And that's what I wanted to do with this whole album. There have only been a few recordings of Ananga, mm -hmm. and I'm wondering why was it important to you to record your interpretation of it? Well, um, I wanted to offer an examination of a fantastic chamber piece. I think it's, it's just, there's so much there. And I wanted to offer an interpretation that paid homage to the two that came before me. And so the first uh, harpist who recorded it was Lois Adele Kraft, and she was the harpist who commissioned William Grant Still to write the piece. Um, and that was in the late 1970s, and then later Anne Hobson Pilot recorded it in the 1990s, and they're vastly different. And so I wanted to really think about the differences between the two and how I can draw from both because they're both really extraordinary um, in their own ways. The Harlem Chamber Players are your collaborators on this recording. Tell me about them, because you have played with them on a regular basis, is that right? Yes, Julie. I, I think of the Harlem Chamber Players, they're like my musical family. Uh, Liz Player has just done a wonderful job in giving us opportunities to explore all different kinds of music um, during the pandemic. She was very open to different ideas and um, ways that we can continue to engage our audience members, even though we weren't doing live performances. Uh, but really, every time we get together, it, it just feels like home. And so naturally, I reached out to those players uh, when doing this album. So you've been commuting now from Baton Rouge back to New York City. So do you still get a chance to play with them then when you're there? I do, yes. Um, I played with them this past season. And the next season, I'm going to be able to play a couple of harp solo chamber pieces uh, for their annual Black History Month program. 
The piece that opens this recording is by Alice Coltrane. What inspired you about her? Yes, Alice Coltrane, growing up, she was an enigma. And my father, you know, he would play her music for me. He's the lover of jazz, and I, I didn't quite understand it. In the fall of 2018, I had an opportunity to first perform an arrangement of Prima with the Urban Playground Orchestra. And it was great fun. Uh, we, we did a great job, I think, with it. But I, it was one of those pieces, Julie, where I was like, I'm not finished with it. I still have some more learning to do. Uh, so fast forward to now I'm planning the concept of the album. I take out Prima. I'm thinking about, uh, you know, summer of 2020, moments of healing um, slash justice. And Prima means love pure love for the divine, which completely melts the heart. So I said, this piece has to be on here. And so I I retweaked uh, the heart part quite a bit. I added a more extensive cadenza and I did more research on Alice Coltrane. And it was then that I think I started to connect with her. Uh, I was most drawn by her commitment to spirituality and how she, that's such a through line um, between how she is as a mother and as an artist. Um, but also that second part that she was a mom. And she really talked uh, so sweetly about taking care of her kids. And I think now that I was, I'm a mother, I was able to connect with her in that way as well. There's a composer on this recording that's new to me, Brandy Younger. Tell me about Brandy Younger and Essence of Ruby. Yeah, so speaking of musical family, I think of Brandy. She's like one of my harp sisters. She lives in Harlem. Uh, She's a fantastic jazz harpist. She just came out with her second album um, under uh, a major jazz label. She's been composing, she's been leading bands, um, and of course performing for years now, and she's doing really, really well. Um, Starting in 2020, she started to release these solo harp arrangements of her compositions, and I was really excited. I was like, yes, finally, something I can play of hers. Uh, And so Essence of Ruby was one of them. And I loved the piece, I loved the groove-based rhythms that it had. I love how it draws from not only jazz, but R&B. And those are, that's my musical DNA, Julie. That's the music I grew up listening to. So it just felt really right in my fingers and I wanted to celebrate um, that musical background that I have, but also her, her beautiful language. It's interesting to hear you talk about all the different genres that have inspired you, especially somebody who really deeply studied music at Juilliard um, on the doctoral level. 
Tell me more about that and how does this fit into the world of classical music? I guess maybe I'm asking you for your definition of classical music and how you see it. Oh, wow, Julie. I'm going to take a stab at classical music, defining classical music as an American. And for me, American classical music begins with African-American spirituals. As I mentioned, for me, they are the first performing art form in this country. They were um, songs of survival, songs of ingenuity uh, between the enslaved, a form of communication that was necessary um, and private. And from spirituals, we can look at, if we want to look at the musical aspects of them, we can trace um, you know, the call and response textures, the repetition of melody, but then you know, kind of improvising from that. We can trace those elements and we can find them in so many different American genres, such as jazz, such as the blues, um, R&B, and then so on. So American classical music begins with African-American spirituals. There are two African-American spirituals on this recording, and you said that's what inspired you to make this project. Mm -hmm. And one is called I'm Troubled in Mind by Samuel Coleridge Taylor. They're both by him. But this one appears kind of in the middle of the recording, and it has a melody that so moved the composer that he actually reused it many times. Talk about the power inside this piece. I'm Troubled in Mind caught my attention because it's one of those, I'm going to say, rare spirituals that uses the first person. So the, immediately there's something very personal about this one. You know, typically we, we find uh, coded language, symbols, mentions of rivers and water and as codes for freedom, but I'm Troubled in Mind speaks so clearly and plainly to how the enslaved channeled grief and pain on a daily basis. So that poignancy really captured my attention. And then the way that Samuel Coleridge Taylor sets it. It begins low and there's kind of a slow march-like feel to it. Um, and it ends similarly, but just kind of evaporates. It's so evocative of, I'm troubled in mind. I'm troubled in mind. If Jesus won't help me, I'll surely die. That's heavy, Julie. That's heavy stuff. The spiritual that closes out the recording also, I guess, must be in the first person as well, then, as you pointed that out. The angels changed my name. Why did you decide to close the recording with this piece? Yeah, 
podcast. The angels changed my name. I looked at my hands and my hands were new. I looked at my feet and my feet were new. So I wanted to close the album looking forward. I wanted to close the album and thinking about or asking us to consider how we can move forward to the future in a way that is um, in which we are changed for the better, that we're looking ahead towards a sort of a brighter day, a moment of freedom for all of us. Uh, and that's why I chose to end the album with The Angels Changed My Name. You've now completed your first recording. What about this whole process from start to finish? It could be as you were selecting pieces or recording them or reflecting on it. What has been most memorable for you? The recording sessions themselves. Um, this was recorded between February of 2021 and we wrapped up in November of 2022. Uh, they were done, the sessions were in three different cities. I played on three different harps um, in three different studios. And uh, I just love the sort of moment of those moments of quiet in between takes where you can think about how I'm going to do this a little bit differently. You're sort of in this wonderful lab environment and you can play with things um, sort of as much time as you have. And so I really like the recording process itself, uh, preparing for it, but then also kind of improvising uh, with the musical material in the session itself. Which isn't something all classical composers are comfortable with, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. Those of us who only know how to read music, like me, uh, like to have the notes on the page. Um, <laughs> though sometimes, I guess, we find when the notes aren't there, we are sort of forced to just mm -hmm. hear where it should go, right? Right. And even with the notes being there, um, I think you can still improvise with the music. You can put the notes together in a different kind of way, perhaps, the second time you play it. Or bring out a different melody. For me, that's improvisation too. So Ashley, what have you learned about yourself as you've wrapped up, you know, this project, you're putting out your first solo recording? What have you discovered about yourself? And maybe it's something that's even surprised you. Julie, I think throughout this whole process, what I've learned is that when you can tell stories through music from your own experience or from your sort of family's experience, when you can draw from, again, what I call your own musical DNA, um, it's like standing on solid ground with two feet and the possibilities are endless. Um, and so I've learned that when you really kind of listen to your own voice, um, and you let those who've inspired you kind of speak through you, it's, it's a really powerful gift to have. And that, that's where I'm most joyous. When I'm true to sort of where I came from, the music that I grew up with, the, the mentors that I've looked up to, then I can, I can tell these stories in a really sort of powerful, personal way. And there's a lot of joy in that. It's a new recording, in fact, the debut release from harpist Ashley Jackson. Thanks to Valerie Kaler, our producer of new classical tracks from American Public Media. I'm Julia Mocker. Mm -hmm.